G'day and welcome to the Cultivate Farms podcast. Sam Marwood here and thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We're thinking of as many ways to get you onto your farm or help you to step back and we really hope you find all this information useful and inspiring. Let's get you farming. Regional Voices, the voice of regional Australia. Welcome to a new episode of Regional Voices. I'm Matt Leniger, Chief Executive of the Australian Rural Leadership Foundation. We're proud to sponsor Regional Voices as we explore our theme, Older and Bolder. Embracing innovation and change is not exclusive to those with youth on their side. Judy Hocking is one half of a farming couple in their 70s. Judy and her husband Charlie, whose family have been on their property outside Bendigo for four generations, are continuing to advance their holding while also succession planning to ensure its future. Kendi Burness Cowan talks to Judy about Cultivate Farms, innovative assistance in this process, the flexibility it has given them and the advantages of a farming matchmaker service. Hello, Judy. Thank you so much for being part of Regional Voices. Hi, Candy. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Now, I want to talk to you about what's happening on your farm. You and your husband, Charlie, have a farm outside of Bendigo. It's called Fair Home. Tell me a little bit about the property before we start talking about other things. Well, my husband's a fourth-generation farmer, so it's been in his family for a long, long time. When we were married back in the 60s, I had never been on a farm before, so that was an interesting experience for me. We probably started off with about 500 acres and since then we've extended our farm and we've got about 1,500 hectares. We usually crop about 500. We have 2,200 fat lambs a year and 2,200 ewes. We also have a piggery. we fairly diversified with yeah. wool, sheep uh, cropping and we have some irrigation too. We've just extended our irrigation. So although we're getting on, we're in our middle 70s, we're still trying to improve the farm. So we're still introducing irrigation to it. And how are you faring at the moment? You know, obviously lots of Australia having a pretty rough time with the drought. How are things in Bendigo? Uh, well, yeah, no, things are not good here. We're desperate for a good rain. But one thing to our advantage is over the last few years we've been building up a little bit more irrigation Mm. so that's sort of drought proofed some of our cropping anyway, certainly not all of it. No, we're looking to have to sell some of our breeding stock of sheep so that's one of those things that you you can only keep them going so long so things are not really good. Even so though Judy I know that you and Charlie are still you know thinking about the future of the farm and what's going to happen with your farm which is of course what we're talking about today. The farm has been in the family for four generations but your own kids don't want to take over the farm do they? No uh, our son already has the farm and we have two daughters and no they're not interested in the farm. How long has it been sort of part of the future planning that you've been aware that the kids weren't going to come back? Oh, look, we've known that for a long time. We had, for the past 15 years until earlier this year, we had a guy working for us who we've encouraged him to get some land, which he did do. But then he resigned, so that sort of left us without anywhere to go. We Mm. sort of thought, well, what are we going to do now? Are we going to sell? Are we going to work for two years, ten years or whatever? And it just happened that at that time there was an article in the Bendigo Advertiser about Cultivate Farms and the guy that runs Cultivate Farms I used to teach. His family lived in this area so like we've known his grandparents and his parents and all these siblings and kids and 
it was just really spooky that that happened. So I ended up contacting Sam and said, you know, like, this is what's happened. We need help to see where we're going to go or guides and what we can do. So we talked quite regularly with Sam and told him basically what we wanted, which was somebody eventually to take over the running or just, you know, to keep the dream alive as far as my mm. husband's concerned. Yeah, you know, that's been happening for many years because I said he's in his middle 70s and he's no longer 10 foot high and bulletproof. <laughs> so... We started talking with Sam and we actually decided that we'd probably do something like go through him. He's sort of a matchmaker between the wannabe farmer and the financier and we thought this is just such a brilliant idea and mm. a great opportunity for us. So he actually advertised our farm and we had spoken and certainly looked at several people and even organised to have somebody come and visit us that was interested in our farm. And um, we had a phone call from a guy who used to work on our farm and who I also used to teach. <laughs> and he had lived in this area and he'd actually shorn on our farm and had moved away. And he saw it advertised on Cultivate Farms and he put our area together with a description of the farm and he got us and rang us up and said, you know, is that your farm that's on Cultivate Farms? And we said, yeah. And he said, I'm really interested. So because... We'd started to go through the process with Sam. We then made contact with this other fellow who came up here and was with our first meeting that we had with Sam and one of his um, partners. And uh, he and his wife came up to that meeting and he's employed here. And at the moment, because things are really tough, we're sort of basically paying a salary, but eventually we'll go into a percentage of the profit things and then into a sort of a buy scheme. Yeah, so you're looking at kind of a three-phase approach, aren't you? And the family that you're working with, it's a guy called Jeremy and his wife and kids are living nearby. And as you said, so yeah. the first step, he'll work for you for wages and then eventually take a percentage of the farm's revenue with a view to him then buying out the property at some exactly. stage in the future. You've really set it up so it can be flexible, haven't you? And I think this is the real beauty of this arrangement is that, you know, as you keep saying, Charlie wants to keep farming. He's not ready to sell off the property and, and move off the land. He wants to have that transition, but you want that flexibility where you can do things on your own terms and see how things play out for you. Well, exactly. And you have to have a fair bit of trust in the person that mm. this is going to happen with. And we have trust in Jeremy. He's turning out to be a really capable worker and he's coming up with ideas. And because we've got the three-phase thing, like at the moment it's just salary, if you had a percentage thing right from the beginning, it's a little bit risky because you have to know the person. But also the percentage of no profit is not a lot of money for salary. So it's no incentive at all to get no wages but mm. still do the work, is it? How did you recognise that Jeremy was the right match for you? You talk about this as being a matchmaking service between older farmers who are thinking about retirement at some point and younger farmers who are trying to get their own property. How does that work? Is it about the way you work together? Is it about matching up goals? What made Jeremy the right choice for you guys? Well, I think... We have known him from when he was a child, actually, and we know just from his worth ethics here as a farmer, as a shearer, that he's a really good worker. He's looking to see ways that he can help people, even when he was shearing. You know, if things were busy, he'd get in there and help in the sheep up and stay after to help in the sheep. So, you know, he's not just a person who's, you know, oh, my job's to do this and that's it. 
So we, you want somebody like that on the farm who's willing to jump in and help regardless of what they think they should be doing, that mm. they're willing to come and help others or use their initiative to help. So knew that about him already, which to us was a huge advantage. And we know what his worth ethics are. They're really good. And I guess um, if you didn't know him, you'd have that period of having him on wages to get to know him before, as you said, you take that next more risky step of actually you know, giving him part of the business. Exactly. Even had we not known him, we would have had the same sort of structure because, yeah, you're right, you can't just step in and say, oh, yes, this is the person who's going to eventually buy our farm. You know, eventually we won't own the farm. We still feel as though it's our land, our farm, because we've had it for so long. Oh, yeah, the connection must be so powerful. Oh, well, it is, yeah, that's right. So he's easy to get on with. His wife's very um, supportive as far as his working hours are concerned. He's willing to help us out and... I just think he's going to be a good match. We have no negatives at the moment. I think this is a really great way to get young farmers onto their own properties, but it's also a really great way to ensure that experienced farmers like you and Charlie aren't walking away without sharing all that know-how you've built up over the years because that does happen sometimes, doesn't it? People sell off the farms and then that's it. They just walk away. Yeah, you're right. I just think the whole idea of the Cultivate Farms is absolutely brilliant because there are people out there like Jeremy, who want to be farmers but only have the option of working for other people because they can afford to get a farm. Mm. And, you know, if eventually we get to this buyback scheme, there may be the possibility of us going back through Cultivate Farms to help with the finance. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see only positives in the whole situation. What did your children think when you talked to them about going through this process? Well, on the first meeting we had with Sam that Jeremy and his wife came to, we also had our daughter that lives in Geelong, Linda. She came up and attended the meeting and had met Jeremy and his wife, Ebony. And so we all had a free discussion and were quite frank. And the fellas went out to do something and that gave Ebony and Linda and myself the time to have a little bit of a chat outside the box as Mm. far as farm is concerned because there's always different slants between the men and the women. The daughters are very supportive because they're happy for their dad to keep working Mm. while he wants to. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be good. And obviously things to this point are going very well for you. You've only got good things to say about how things are going. Did you have any reservations going into this? Was there anything you worried about, questions that you really wanted to kind of tackle before you agreed to pursue this arrangement? I think it helped us because we had some inkling of what Jeremy was like. So we didn't have to learn everything about a new employee. What if Jeremy hadn't come along? What if someone you'd never laid eyes on before came along and looked on paper like they might have been a good fit? Would you have still gone ahead with this process? Well, I think that depends a lot on the person would just be simply getting to know you mm. period and there'd have to be few meetings beforehand just to say this is the way we do this you know what do you think how do you do things and if they didn't have all the skills that we wanted we were willing to give them time to learn them because mm. some of the people might have had agricultural qualifications of some sort but they might have worked in a different type of agriculture like they might have worked in a vineyard or a beef farm and we don't have any cattle so they may not have had a truck license we wanted them to have a truck 
health class. Yeah. So we were all prepared to go through a learning period and you've just really got to play it by ear on how you get along with it because even though they may want to go onto your farm and you may want them to come on your farm, they still may not be the right people. Mm. And that's you'd only learn in time really, wouldn't you? You've obviously gone into this with a very open mind. Do you think that other farmers who might be thinking about this same kind of arrangement, is that kind of the key to making it work, is to really keep an open mind about how the arrangement might work in practice? Well, I think you've got to because if you don't have an open mind, if you've got a set mind and you think that jobs can only be done your way, well, you don't even get your own family to agree in everything that you do, do you? There's all Always people want to do things different ways. So, you know, it doesn't matter who you get. You've got to work through their skills and the things that they need to know against what they do know. Judy, if you hadn't come across that newspaper article that day, you'd never heard of this opportunity, where do you think you and Charlie would be now? Do you think your farm would be on the market right now or do you think you'd be continuing to work and not really knowing what you were going to do next? What would things look like? I basically do because we were sort of thrown away completely from our comfort zone saying, what are we going to do now? And, you know, like I've never heard my husband say, oh, look, we'll just sell it. I'm sick of this. You know, I've had enough. It's just getting too hard. But he actually said that. He said, oh, look, I think we just need to sell it. After that, we sold a block of land and he has never, ever sold land. When a farmer buys land, he likes to hang on to it like his life depends on that very block. So we sold a block of land. So that was just the start of it. And I honestly think he wouldn't have sold all of it. He would have kept some because he still wants to work but just not as big as we were and not as complicated because, you know, like it's a very complicated business of farming because you have to be a jack of all trades. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'm so glad that this option was available for you and you had some, you know, when it came down to it, you had some choices and some flexibility and it does sound like it's all going really well for you. So good luck with it and thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Judy. Well, look, I'm just so glad that we saw that article because it's been absolutely brilliant for us and it's an amazing idea. It's just, I mean, we've mentioned it to so many people about this Cultivate Farm. You know, the funny part about it, but the article in the paper said, is it Tinder? Or, and I've never heard of the word Tinder and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and I was saying to the daughter, you know, this cultivate farms is just like a matchmaker. And when she saw the article, she said, oh, that's funny, Mum. And I said, why? <laughs> they thought, look what it says. And I said, yeah, but I don't know what that means. That's exactly what it means. It means matchmaking, basically. Well, you found yeah. a good match, didn't you? We did. And we're lucky to have, you know, Sam's just brilliant. He, he made it easy for us, really. He really did. Oh, that's really just great, Judy. Thank you so much. It's been really lovely talking to you. That was Kendi Burness Cowan with Judy Hocking. Having a flexible plan for the future that is enabling both those leaving and continuing on the land to prosper looks to be a way to keep Australians farming. Do you agree? Look for us on social media to join the conversation. The Australian Rural Leadership Foundation has been developing stronger leadership within the communities and industries of rural, regional and remote Australia for over 26 years. We are a not-for-profit organisation that delivers leadership development programs. Our programs combine people from diverse industries, communities and backgrounds. Participants develop a network of supportive leaders who are all working for the greater good of Australia. You can catch another episode of Regional Voices on your local station next week or subscribe to the podcast and never miss one of our great stories about the real people of Regional Australia. Regional Voices, the new voice of Regional Australia. 
Thanks for your attention. We know there are thousands of other things you could be doing or other podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen to listen to us. We appreciate your time so much. Please reach out uh, as we're happy to work through your farm ownership pathway with you. Let's get you farming.